The second kind of email piece that has been super impactful for every e-commerce brand that I work with is like a birthday email, which is funny because it seems so simple to just set up collect birthday. But it's, I look at like when I'm in Clavio doing e-commerce marketing, I will always look at like what flows are driving the most revenue. And it's always welcome series birthday and then abandon cart because you're also communicating probably at a time when people are most likely to convert. This week on Inboxing, Naomi West, Senior Email and Lifestyle Marketer and Product Marketing Manager at Parcel. And we're back for another episode of Inboxing, Season 3, Episode 5. Today we have a great guest. She's been doing email for a pretty long time, especially since she looks like she's 19. <laughs> but that's not even the point. But really, she's, you know, oh, let's just let her tell her stories. It's silly, right? But please give a warm introduction. A warm welcome to Naomi West. Hello, Naomi. hello. Thank you. I'm going to attribute the looks to retinol. I encourage everyone <laughs> to look into them. They've been very nice to me. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to talk about email. I love talking about email. That's all I talk about. So can't wait to kick this off. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Your Twitter handle is right. It's uh, email from Naomi or something like mm-hmm. that. Yep. Email from Naomi. I have the same Instagram handle, although I'm not as good as an, at Instagram as I am Twitter. But yeah, huge fan. All right. Well, you you weren't born email from Naomi. So <laughs> please tell us, you know, who you are, you yeah. know, a little background. And then how did you end up becoming email from Naomi? Yeah. So... I actually did my undergrad in political science. And I think with a lot of email marketers, we somehow just land in this space. And that's kind of what happened to me. So stressed after graduating from university for not having a job and not having something lined up. I lined up a job in recruiting. I was doing recruiting for law firms. And I'd spend my day talking on the phone, doing phone screenings, talking with lawyers, reference checks, all that jazz. And I had a friend from university reach out and he said, Hey, I'm starting this company. We've been accepted into Hootsuite's top 20 under 20 accelerator program. And I'm looking for someone to come on board and help us with marketing and accounting and all these things that I was like, okay, I think I can do them. And I'm pretty bored at my job. So I'd love to help out. It was around the time that TaskRabbit came into kind of fruition and we had uh, developed an app called Tasky, and the app was meant to bridge the gap that was the high turnover rate in the hospitality industry by pairing up restaurants and banquets and weddings with one-off servers and bartenders. And so I came in encouraging these taskers to complete their first shift and to finish a phone screening with me. So similar kind of recruitment day-to-days that I was doing. And I stumbled across a marketing automation tool that would do all of the follow-ups on my behalf. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, this is life-changing. And I think I've discovered this. Like I thought I was like the pioneer for discovering marketing automation. And I told all my friends about it. And I even like brought it into the recruiting company. And I was like, look, we can automate so much. And they were like, no, keep doing individual follow-ups. But that's how I kind of discovered it. And with the two others I was working with, we scaled Tasky across Canada and into the States. And then after about four years, we were all just a little bit tired, couldn't go any further with the company. 
So I moved over to the UK and I joined Braze as an onboarding manager. And that's really where things started to pick up for me. Just working with individuals every day on email, IP warmups, all that fun stuff. Can I stop you there for a second? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, moving to a new country for a job, it's like a big decision. So how did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, I had always wanted to live in London since watching The Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. I had always wanted to go. And it was this pillar of being at Tasky where we had been remote the whole time. So I've technically been in a remote position since, I guess, 2015. And it was that opportunity where we were kind of starting to close up shop. And I was like, okay, I'm working from home. I can do it anywhere. Why don't I go and do it from the UK for a bit? And I'm from Canada and they have a really easy visa program between the two countries. So I applied for a working visa. I got it back within two weeks and then I could just legally work in the UK. And so that's what I did when we finally kind of closed up shop with Tasky. I started applying for jobs and that's how I landed with Brace. Got it. All right. So now you continue. Yeah. You're at Braze. <laughs> How long did that yeah. go for? I was at Braze um, in 2019. It was a really interesting kind of pillar at the end of my time there. I was quite homesick. I realized, you know, my friends and family were like a nine and a half hour plane ride away back in Vancouver. And London is expensive. It's incredibly expensive. I was like, if I settle down here, I will not be able to live frivolously. Like I am... <laughs> I'm not able to live my best life. So that's when I started looking for more in-house positions back in Vancouver, deciding I wanted to to move back. And so I did. And I've kind of been in in-house roles since. During COVID times, that's where I really started leaning into the consulting side of things and building a blog and realizing I love writing about email. So it's been, yeah, it's been a really fun kind of three, four years back on the in-house side doing email. All right. Was there a stop at Inbox? Uh, I'm sorry, not Inbox to go, but right, Invoice to go, right? That was the next stop? Yeah. Yeah, I was at Invoice to go. When was I there? From 2021 until just before joining with Parcel, actually. So Invoice to go was acquired um, in September of 2021 by Bill.com. Then we were still kind of an Invoice to go solo product, but under the Bill.com umbrella. And yeah, I was there. And then now I'm at Parcel, which is acquired by Customer.io. And it's been, it's been a blast. <laughs> right. So is it two companies that you've been working for that got acquired? Is, or is it three? Because I originally... Yeah. Like- no, it's... Yeah, it's two. Tasky never ended up getting acquired. We just kind of shut the, the thing down. Too bad. It's too bad we didn't like brand ourselves as TaskRabbit. They've really taken off. But yeah, two companies now, invoice to go And yeah, Parcel. Parcel. So were you freelancing for Parcel before you became? Yeah, I was. So I had, during COVID, I would probably manage two to three freelance clients at a time on top of a full-time job, especially like during the weekends when I couldn't really do anything and I'm not a huge outdoor person. Honestly, doing email is or was a hobby for me. It still is. So Abby and I actually connected on Twitter in January of last year. And I had reached out just giving him praise about the product. And then we got to talking. And I think he then kind of mentioned that Parcel was coming out of beta. And that's where we started working together. So I freelanced, I think it was like maybe 8 to 10 hours a month where I would hop on and do some social media stuff and send out some emails. 
honestly just listened to Avi talk about all the cool features he was launching. And it was a, such a cool transition going from something you choose to, to do, to freelance, to consult for a product that you really like, to being able to now do it for your full-time job. It's a great transition. Right. Were you in coding? Because I thought like you just learned how to code. So like, if you weren't a coder, like, what did you see in Parcel that like, are you excited about? Yeah, for me, it was the accessibility features, to be honest. I would say I'm a fairly non-technical marketer, but I have the chops to be able to understand HTML and to go in. And even at invoice2go, bill.com, I was going into HTML quite frequently. If you were to say, hey, code this email from scratch with interactivity, I would run for the hills. You wouldn't see me again. It's like a daunting project for me to think about. But what I found with with Parcel was the tools that Avi's built have made email really easy to digest and understand the different lines of code. So the inspect element for me, when I'm going into an email just to edit a CTA button, I would have to like control F and try and find the copy. And then I would see the copy in multiple places and I'd be like, why do I have to update it? I don't understand. But when inspect, like those types of features made it really easy for me to understand what I was doing in the code. And then the whole QA suite of features, I was like, these are things I don't have. And I had no idea that my emails were not accessible to the wider population. And, oh, here's inbox previews. You know, I can kind of see what my email is going to look like on Gmail on mobile or Apple Mail with iOS 15. So it was the, the QA kind of process that kind of piqued my interest. And then at the same time, I was going through, I think it was free Code Academy courses And so I was cross-referencing what I was learning in those kind of little modules with what I saw in Parcel. And I kind of married the two, I guess, learning paths into one. All right. All right. We'll move on. But that was a fun one. (laughs) All right. What do you find most upsetting in your inbox? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things. You could give a list. I think... (laughs) (laughs) So... Okay, this is in no particular order, but the first is when brands and businesses do not include their brand or business name in the friendly from name. Like if I get an email from John Smith, I'm like, who sold my email address? Who has given my email away for free? Like I'm immediately like, who has done this to me? And then I open up the email and it's from a brand I interact with very frequently, but I had no idea because the sender name <laughs> just someone's name and not the brand. So that's when I don't like, I don't like it when emails are not optimized for mobile because I'm always reading emails on my mobile device. And this is a huge one with image only emails is the font. If it's an image, it doesn't scale. So I can barely read things. So that's a problem for me. I also really struggle when the font color contrast is not great again for accessibility. Uh, If it's like a really light gray font over like a white background, I'm like, I can barely see this. And why is this the unsubscribe link color? You know? So things like that. Those are probably my top three. The behavioral one that really gets me is when brands and businesses send or they don't segment, I guess I should say. So if I've purchased something, new pair of running shoes one afternoon, and then by dinner time, I get an email from the same brand announcing a sale. I'm like, ah, (laughs) cancel order. I won't be reordering because I'm so upset. But yeah, I think the behavior thing gets to me as well. It's a, in my mind, like a simple thing to consider, like not yelling at the same audience, but 
Right. Like always repress recent purchasers. Yeah. Give a seven day window. That's it. Thank you. Put them in the flow. Thank you for your purchase and follow up education. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. What opportunities do you feel most brands are missing out on? I think a lot of brands look at email maybe as like a set it and forget it channel, which is fair because a lot of marketers are wearing way too many hats. But I do think in certain spaces, brands are not sending enough emails. Uh, Let's say I sign up to... Just yesterday, I signed up to a new produce delivery service. And they apparently deliver boxes of produce on Thursdays and Sundays. I just signed up for their email communication. And they didn't have a welcome email. And I don't actually know if they send email frequently. So I'm kind of like in the space where my interest is piqued by this company. But I don't know if they will actually communicate with me at all. So I think for that one, I would be like, I don't think they're sending enough email. And I'm so close to conversion that it could be one email that actually just drives me to put my credit card information in and order the produce box. So yeah, the first one, I think they're missing out on just not sending enough email. The other kind of opportunity I feel like brands are missing out on is just doing something different, to be honest. In that same line of, you know, I don't think they're sending enough email. I feel like brands are not doing enough to stand out and to communicate their value. You know, there's only so many times you can say to someone, buy now or do this. I always encourage kind of senders to look at what value they're actually giving the the end user and, and to lean into that. So send more email, but make it good email, I would say. All right. Yeah. I have a little story I could show off about that. What I did for one of my clients. Um, I don't never do this us? ever on this podcast, but I sent a, you know, when you tell people not to do something in order to do something. Uh, reverse psychology. I, just, I yeah. did a reverse psychology. Yeah. Basically, the owner of the brand is kind of annoyed about the sale. So I used that for an email. So the subject line was don't buy today. If you buy today, it will be cheaper for you and it'll be bad for us. So <laughs> don't buy today. But if you use this coupon, you know, and then even the stuff, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, it went all the way through the email and people loved it and people opened yeah. it and, and it got a ton of orders. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's different, right? Like, 100%. It's, not, it, it's yeah. also, yeah, it's also that, like, how many times could I keep sending, like, oh, order today, order today, today only, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> just, you got to stand yeah. out somehow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So love it. Thanks. Everyone should tell their subscribers to not do something today. Wait until tomorrow. See what happens. <laughs> All right. How, did co- how should companies be coming up with great ideas for emails? You know, I think a lot of brands struggle. Like we only have like a few, especially like DT- small DTC brands that have like mm-hmm. only a few products. Like what could they be doing to like keep making it interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, when I'm looking for net new ideas, I sign up for companies that are like not even in the industry niche. And it's because I think so many ideas can be mirrored. But when you're so focused on the same topic day in, day out, you're not thinking outside of the box. So for me, like I love a good like e-commerce abandoned cart email. And I think I'm primarily in SaaS and I'm always telling people to sign up for a subscription or renew their subscription or come back to their subscription. And even an e-commerce abandoned cart email can have that strategy mirrored into the SaaS space. 
but I probably wouldn't have like initially thought, oh, when someone gets to a SaaS paywall, we should tell them they've forgotten something. But you can easily just take that idea from e-commerce and mirror it to SaaS with different wording and obviously different tone and persona. But I just wouldn't have thought of that if I wasn't going to look at outside sources. So I think, you know, look at a brand that's so opposite to yours, but is doing email in a different way and see what you can pull from that. Same with there's one one company I really like that does email in such an odd way. It's called We're Not Really Strangers and they're like a card game. But they will send really short emails, maybe just like a sentence long, and it's a hyperlink. And I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. Like this is such a different way of doing email. And some people will say, oh, that should have been an SMS touch point. But I'm like, no, I kind of like it as email. Maybe shorter is better. And that'll kind of take me into a tangent of maybe testing short form emails compared to long form with imagery and CTA buttons. So yeah, I think when you're kind of stuck in that rut, I just like to go ham and look at something completely opposite to what I'm doing and see what I can pull and mirror over to to my own work. All right. I guess you say like comb your inbox, like just look, Mm -hmm. (laughs) look what people are sending. Yeah. I'm constantly like in my inbox every week, I'm starring emails, like ones that I really like. And then once a week, I'll go and I'll do like a, a full, I guess, pull of all of them. I'll download all of them. I'll convert them into images uh, using, I think it's Stephanie Griffith's email preview.io yeah, 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 where yeah. you can download the, the email and I will save them all. And I yeah. have a whole Google Drive of just folders of win back and upgrade and onboarding and welcome and all of these different categories. And then I can pull from those whenever I'm also stuck because I know I've already vetted those and they're good. <sighs> right. It's amazing. They're just shouting out, you know, Stephanie Griffith, like how long it took to get a tool like that. Like, yeah. Make me a, a very screenshot. Tool. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's great. I'm, I, I probably have that tool open like, every day. I think it just lives as an open tab for me in my Chrome browser. (laughs) Yeah. God bless her. Yeah. How do you think companies can make their emails more entertaining? Uh, Like, Mm. you know, to get people to keep opening, you know, your, your SaaS. (laughs) So yeah. Yeah. Like it's not simple, you know, to be funny or. Yeah. I mean, too, like totally depends on your demographic, right? Like, I can only imagine my parents being not entertained at all with some of the emails that I write, right? Like it just totally depends on who you're speaking to. And companies, I think, you know, making your email more entertaining is one thing. Getting them to continue to open your email is another. And so you can be funny and have people, you know, engage with your email. But I do think looking at like, back to the value point, like what are subscribers getting out of this email? Is this just like a funny subject line and then they're getting nothing out of it? Or is this a funny subject line and then like a tool they should use or a new feature that will help their, you know, streamline their workload by hours, something like that. And I'm, although I say like, oh, brand should email more, brand should email more. I'm also on the, the side that like, I don't think brands should just be yelling the same message every time to send out email and to create this predictable sending cadence, there has to be something in there that like a subscriber is like, Oh, this is good. This is really good. So 
I think for me, like I look at email as a channel that is kind of like a necessary need to know piece, depending on how you've advertised opt-in as well. Like when someone signs up to, to parcels emails, what am I telling them? Am I telling them that they're going to receive every new notification of our change log? No, I'm saying like they're going to be kind of connecting and receiving email from us relating to the individual features that they engage with the most so that we're not just like in their ear all the time yelling at them. Okay. So email automation obviously is huge. Um, and mm-hmm. depending on the niche and the industry, it changes. But the, of your different automation automated series, what email series do you think is the most impactful and why? Yeah, I have to say the welcome, the welcome series, the welcome piece. Like that is when a subscriber is expressing to you that they are the most interested in your brand or business. They have the highest intent of doing something. And so that welcome email better be good. Better be in real time and not like five hours later. And it better be communicating like exactly your business value and why someone should be there with you. The second kind of email piece that has been super impactful for every e-commerce brand that I work with is like a birthday email, which is funny because it seems so simple to just set up a collect birthday. But it's, I look at like when I'm in Clavio doing e-commerce marketing, I will always look at like what flows are driving the most revenue. And it's always welcome series birthday and then abandoned cart because you're also communicating probably at a time when people are most likely to convert. But I think if you nail those three, you should have a steady stream of hopefully like some kind of user behavior that's driving you benefit in the background. Uh, welcome series, the, the length as well, I think completely depends. I've seen some brands do way too long, three week onboarding where you get like an email every day that like, you won't have it. I will be out of there within a week. I will unsubscribe. I will mark you a spam. Like don't talk to me that much, but other brands that are kind of doing it in line with maybe how frequently you might be in the tool or purchasing from, from the brand or business, I think do a great job at it. All right. Attention e-commerce store owners. Are you tired of losing sales due to an ineffective abandoned cart email strategy? Abandoned cart expert can help. Our proven optimization strategies are guaranteed to help you recover more lost sales and boost your bottom line. Plus, with our no-pay guarantee, there's no risk. Don't let your lousy abandoned cart emails cost you more sales. Head to abandonedcartexpert.com now to learn more and start turning more abandoned carts into purchases. What was your biggest email challenge and how did you handle it? And would you do anything differently? <sighs> I've had many challenges <laughs> in my tenure. The frequent challenge I think that comes up is actually copywriting. I, there are copywriters out there that I think are born for the job. And I am not a trained copywriter, nor am I born to copyright. I really struggle with writing copy sometimes. So that is a challenge that I frequently face. And I think this probably maybe ties into a question later on. But lately, I have been leaning on AI to prompt some of my copywriting, not lean on it fully, but kind of connect in to at least get the wheels turning in my head if I'm having a total writer's block. So that's one challenge that I always have is is copywriting and coming up with 
just words for the emails that will convert and not sound like something I already wrote last week. But the second email challenge that I've faced, it's always IP warming on a dedicated (laughs) IP every time, regardless of the audience, the brand. I always think it's going to go a lot quicker and be a lot smoother than what it is. And I always run into like, I think now I've probably done 20 IP warmups across different businesses and brands, all on dedicated IPs. And maybe 15 out of those 20 times I've been blocked by AOL. I'll be like at 500 emails a day and we'll just blocked by AOL every time. So I handled it with patience and just knowing that something, something doesn't like me at AOL, which is fine. Yeah. They're not what they used to be. Yeah. I don't know what's going on (laughs) over there, but like (laughs) they're not a fan of my IP warmups and I, I take them very slowly and I feel like I'm doing them with best practices, but as long as there's no big hiccups with like Outlook or Hotmail or Live, I feel like I've accomplished something. Would I do anything differently? There's no way I could do IP warm-up slower. I am like a slug when it comes to these things. So don't know. All right. Top five mistakes that companies are making. Mm. Okay. So the first mistake... I think is, again, mobile responsiveness. I see so many emails in the D2C or e-commerce space that are image only. And I go and I look at them on mobile and I cannot read anything. And I am like, this could have been live text. (laughs) They wanted some... It's probably because they wanted like some swirly patterns or something, different color combinations. I don't know. But an image only email is horrible on mobile. And if I see them, I just delete them. Like there's no way I'm going to spend time squinting, getting wrinkles, hurting my eyes when I can just delete it. Not interested. It saves me money in the long run if I just don't purchase. So whatever. So yeah, mobile responsiveness, huge issue. Segmentation, as I mentioned, I think some tools maybe make it difficult to segment, but I think it's so valuable when you do segments, I would encourage all brands to just look into like, if you have a Zendesk ticket open or gorgeous or whatever customer help desk you use, if you're an e-commerce brand, maybe segment those people out if they have an open ticket of like sale emails or updates, stuff like that. The other mistake is probably just not looking at data, not spending time reporting, spotting trends, seeing where you can maybe make improvements that goes in line with just not testing. Just test. It's the only way to drive growth in email other than making like blanket assumptions. And I think testing is really fun. And then the other maybe mistake is... I have this theory that people love to schedule their emails out for like on the hour. And whenever like a new hour rolls over, I always know it's like 9am or 10am because my phone starts to blow up with so many emails. And I go in there, like after 15 minutes, I'll be on a meeting or whatever. I'll go into my inbox and I'll be like, oh, way too many. Delete, 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 delete. But if I get an email, like, you know, 9.35 a.m., an off time, when it catches me, I'm not doing anything, catches my eye. I'll go in, I'll engage. So not playing around with send times is a, is a huge mistake and just sending it on the hour every time. And I don't know what number we're at right now, but I think the last one is probably just not playing around with new 
tools and new ideas and educating yourself on what's out there to, to kind of play with as an email marketer. The promotions tab has negative connotations for whatever reason. But with things like Gmail annotations, you can totally stand out in there and potentially drive way more conversion than not engaging with annotations. So yeah, just being maybe fearful of new technology is a mistake, I think, that a lot of people make. All right. That was an awesome answer. Thanks. All right. So speaking of tools, you've mentioned a few, uh, but what are your favorite tools for email marketing? So many. I actually have like a Notion dashboard, a Notion table, and I just save all my tools. And I think it's probably like 50 tools long, but going through maybe like the top five or the top 10. So Parcel, obviously I am not only just an, an employee of Parcel, but I'm an end user. My favorite, my favorite features are obviously the accessibility checker because I just find them, they help with my knowledge of understanding email, which, you know, tools and companies can show you errors and where you're going wrong. But Avi's built in kind of the reasons why certain accessibility fixes are important. And so you can go and kind of do your reading and, and learn a lot on that aspect. So that tool, obviously, Customer.io, again, not only am I an employee, but I'm also an end user. And as a side note, even before I became an end user or a, an employee of Customer.io through Parcel, I was on Twitter. And when I started freelancing for Parcel, I sent out a tweet and I was like, oh, I haven't been in Customer.io for so long. So cool to see how the company has kind of changed over the past couple of years. And Brian Thomas, who's my current manager, he reached out on Twitter and he was like, Hey, I'd love to understand like your use cases for the product and catch up and see how it compares to other tools. And so him and I had a call and we just talked through like how I use the platform. And I loved how an email tool was just so interested in how an email marketer used it, which is cool. Cause a lot of tools, you can just submit a support request or a feature request, but it was that level of like, I guess, personalized connection. Obviously, it's we spoke one to one over Zoom, but I loved that. I felt like all my kind of requests and features were taken seriously, and it's something I want to hopefully do for Parcel as well. Just for those who don't know, what what is Customer.io? Oh, Customer.io is our marketing automation platform. So we send out all our emails. If we were doing push, we could send out push from there, but we don't do push because we don't have a mobile app. In-app messages, SMS. They have a really strong uh, automation kind of builder called Campaigns. So we send out kind of all of our flows in there. And it's really easy to understand as an email marketer how things are performing and converting, which is great. I don't necessarily have to use a separate analytics tool, but I do. I use Mixpanel, which is, again, probably my favorite marketing analytics tool out there. I've used Amplitude as well and Heat and Mixpanel just makes it really easy to understand product usage. What other tools do I use? I use Withplot. Withplot is a new one for documenting and planning out your email automations and campaigns. It's, it's fantastic. I've always struggled with creating documentation to show what our welcome series looks like and our abandoned card and nurtures and emails specifically for the purpose of sharing that with stakeholders. 
And previously, I've used Google Slides and like had to screen capture everything and put in the subject line as text. But with Plot makes it really easy to kind of document everything and then share that link with stakeholders uh, to even understand decision splits and how people are traveling down uh, different journeys depending on segmentation. And then Stephanie's email preview.io, huge one, obviously. Canva, Figma, Notion. That's probably it. I'm probably missing so many, but well, those are probably you, the... You said you have your Notion board, 50 different... I have my Notion board. I know. <laughs> I know. I think those are my core ones. At least those are the ones that I have open tabs of right now. So they're top of mind. I will be using them today at some point. All right. You could probably, you know, triple your Twitter audience if you do one of those, you know, I have a Twitter board of 50 email tools yeah. are collected. Yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> Catch me there later today, posting all my favorite tools. <laughs> All right. So how do you think email is changing? You know, I mean, we I've been in email for like 12 years. You've mm-hmm. been in email for like six. Mm-hmm. How do you think it's changing? You know, I mean, I think the biggest change, honestly, was in the last few years has been, well, mobile. The shift to mobile mm-hmm. was huge. Like when I first started an email, it was like, there's this thing called responsive. We got to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and obviously yeah. that's everywhere now. During the time that I've been in email, you know, every year on December 31st, the clock strikes midnight. And now all of these 2023 trend reports are like in in everyone's inboxes. And I'm like, all right, what does this year hold for me that it didn't hold last year? And it seems to be always, you know, we're going to do AMP for email and things will be more interactive and there'll be more collection of first party data. I don't think any of those things are net new. I think we've been working towards them now for years and adoption is difficult because the technology behind it is difficult to adopt and some ESPs and marketing automation platforms don't support those. And then different email clients ingest them in different ways. So I don't think any of those things are going away. But when I hear people talk about those trends, I'm like, is it really a trend anymore? Like We're all wanting to do it. We just can't. I think... Email is changing, at least from what I see, there are better methods of communication in the different channels that are now becoming more adopted. And I think with the emergence, at least with Apple, the emergence of like web browser push that will be adopted on mobile will maybe make some messages better for push notifications as opposed to email or in-app messages when you really want to capture that that person's attention when they're inside of your website or inside of your app. Uh, Same with SMS. I think shorter form stuff will maybe move over to SMS. But in the meantime, I still see SMS and email like going hand in hand because I think the majority of people that are going to be subscribed to business and brands communication is going to be on the email side. Other things I think that will be changing with email is I do think brands are going to continue to look at how to shorten the number of hoops someone has to jump through to complete a certain action. So like with the emergence of the new Gmail annotations update from this past weekend, where images are now going to be pulled kind of into the feed view in the Gmail promotions tab, that is just again, decreasing the number of hoops someone has to jump through to click on a product and get to your website. It will be interesting. It, it seems like this new Gmail annotations update is automatically pulling in images into the feed, even if someone doesn't define them in the, the head element. But 
it'll be interesting to see how brands and businesses play into that to take advantage of the space they're landing in. So I guess it's not necessarily a change, but I'm hoping that more people are going to look to adopt what they have in front of them as opposed to trying to hack a workaround. All right. Who are your, what is your, what does your Twitter look like? Who are you following, you know, to get <sighs> your email wisdom? Yeah, I have a, I love, I love Twitter. I spend way too much time on, on Twitter, to be honest. Some of my favorite people to follow on Twitter. I love Gilda Hilaire. I'm horrible with last names, but Gilda on Twitter, she's just such a fantastic kind of presence in the email space. Um, she's over at Salesforce, I believe. Uh, so if you don't follow her, I would absolutely recommend following her. The Women of Email community, as always, is just a great supportive space if you're a, a woman in the email space looking to have your voice elevated, whether it's through speaking opportunities or mentorship. And then who else do I follow? Ted Goes. He's a great addition. He kind of brings a designer perspective into my feed. Really good emails. Action Rocket, I think, is really fun. I feel like I need to follow more people on Twitter, but I really love everyone that I do follow currently. So I don't want to mess up the algorithm, you know? Uh-huh. For sure. Yeah. You're going to break Twitter right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you, you mentioned ChatGPT. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I haven't used it in a few weeks, honestly. But I was crazy excited about it when I needed to make a whole bunch of new products and landing pages and yeah. add a lot of content. Um, and prompts was like, oh, you know, and it spits back a normal response. You're like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. so much better than I would have written it. I know. So how do you think AI is going to change the world? I mean, I think it's going to change the world. But what about our little world yeah. of email? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because when I think of AI, especially for copywriting, for me, it's not that like, usually I only go to it when I have writer's block. And I'm like, I actually don't know how to approach even starting this sentence. And in the same vein that I could go and type something into Google and get the wheels turning based on the first like article that there is, instead I'm going to chat GPT. And so I don't know if it's like a laziness on my part where I'm just like in awe of this robot spitting out copy at me. I do think that I could probably find the same similar kind of worded copy in an article somewhere. And have that be my source of inspiration. So I don't know. I can't decide if it's going to change the world and especially the, the email geek world. I think it'll make things easier to accomplish maybe, especially when it's, you know, kicking off a subject line prompt or a pre-header or a call to action. I don't think it will replace any copywriters because the copywriters that I know, again, are like born for copywriting. And I'm like, wow, like you have completely shaped this brand based on the words that you chose. And it's great. Like you're doing an amazing job. And I don't think an AI tool could do that. So I don't know. I don't know if it's going to change the world. I like it for its convenience, maybe once a month, but it's not every day for me. Therefore, it's not a game changer. I think it's definitely changing the world. <laughs> like how do you think it's how, how do you think it's changing the world i think like so many things will be ai like i mean you just you think about like making a doctor's appointment like you don't have to talk mm. to a real person just like is anyone available yeah okay, okay. yeah 
And even, you know, not even all these like touchscreen, you know, plus three for this or for that. No, just like to speak to this about this. And then mm-hmm. this phone system will, will direct you to extension. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. In that case, yes. Like, I'm only thinking about it in the lens of copywriting currently because that's probably where I've only interacted with. Right. Now, but but I think, in the case where I don't have to make appointments by myself or talk to anyone, yeah, that is a game changer. Right. Yeah, and it could be even like on the ESPs, there could be like AI looking mm-hmm. at your flow and say like, there's an opportunity here or do you forget yeah. about this or like this email is underperforming. Maybe you should look into that. Yeah. Yeah. That, true. That kind I'll of take stuff. it. Till then, hire one of us. All right. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we've reached the end, the pinnacle. Um, and this is the segment that I just give you the floor. And um, I always, you know, tap Anatoly Sprocky, delivery person, deliverability. <laughs> she doesn't deliver packages, but she gets emails delivered. She went on for 45 minutes. So that's the bar. Oh, so okay. go, go ahead. I don't actually think I could go. I don't think I could talk for 45 minutes. No, I think, you know, the, the final thoughts that I have to share, and this is something I, I probably come and preach at any place that I speak is I think email should be a really fun and a really creative space for people that land in it. You know, we kind of landed and we haven't left. And my motto is to never lose sleep over email. I want it to be a space that I can be creative and test new things, but not take too seriously because, you know, and I didn't sign up to save lives. I am not smart enough for that. But what I am good at is email strategy and I have a lot of fun with it. So yeah, I'm just, I just encourage kind of any email marketer that's out there to, to test and to approach, you know, no A-B testing idea as in right or wrong, just go full force with it, test it out, see what works with your audience. And I'm a firm believer that, you know, no benchmark is a one size fits all. So yeah, those are probably my, my final thoughts. Awesome. Naomi West. Or Naomi. I mean, yeah. In Israel, we'd say Naomi. That's why that happened there. Okay. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for it. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom with the Inboxing yeah, community. Thank you. Thank um, you so much. All right. I'm going to sign you off. Stick around. I'll talk to you in a minute. Yeah, that's our show for today. Thank you to Naomi West for an awesome show. That was a lot of fun. And um, if you're looking to get your brand out there and you're not sure exactly how to do it, Inboxing is looking for sponsors. So we just recorded episode five. You know, God willing, we're going to hit 14 and maybe more. We'll see. So if you're looking to get out there, reach out, head to hillberg.com slash sponsor, and you could see all about it. That's all for today's episode of Inboxing. Um, Big thank you to our guest. And... If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any feedback or suggestions, please just reach out to me at hello at hellobird.com. Before we go, I want to remind you there's still sponsorship opportunities available for inboxing. Uh, So if you're interested, you can just reach out to me again. And thank you to our current sponsor, which is Bentley Card Expert. Uh, Without their support, this wouldn't be happening. So if you're an e-commerce brand looking forward to recover more lost sales, uh, be sure to check them out at BentleyCardExpert.com. Thank you for listening and tune in next week, every Monday, for the next episode of Inboxing.